Hello, everyone, and welcome back to another episode of the Strategic Whimsy Experiment. Uh, we are in the midst of the coronavirus outbreak of 2020. I am from Seattle, so the whole city of Seattle has been told, well, a lot of companies have been told that their employees should work from home. So, you know, lots of good movie watching time as we're all stuck indoors. And, um, one of the films that has begun to be talked about a lot more these past couple of days is the 2011 sci-fi film Contagion. So, Sarah and I thought, what better time to review a film about a worldwide pandemic than <laughs> such a time as this? Um, and just to see the, the relationship between film and real life, it's being this movie's being talked about a lot more these past couple of days. People are going to watch it a lot more uh, amidst the times that we're in. So it's kind of interesting to see this film be resurrected. So, Sarah, do you want to kick us off with an IMDb summary? We'll do our own summaries. And then it might be good to talk about how the coronavirus so far has affected our day-to-day or if not at all. All right. Uh, Healthcare professionals, government officials, and everyday people find themselves in the midst of a worldwide epidemic as the CDC works to find a cure. All right. And what was your summary for Contagion? My summary was a PSA for rigorous handwashing and better kitchen sanitation practices. (laughs) Very true. A two-hour-long ad for yes, exactly. Disinfecting products, hand sanitizers. Yep. Yes. Yep, exactly. <laughs> Mine is what happens when a day after tomorrow ask doomsday movie is stripped of its delicious drama. <laughs> <laughs> yep, that's accurate. All right. So where how has coronavirus affected your day-to-day today? Um is it being talked about in your circles? You know you're from Dallas, so maybe talk a yeah. little bit about how coronavirus has been <laughs> in your life. Yeah, um, so it really hasn't affected my life. Uh, <laughs> yep, uh, there, there's been there when an, uh, an email went around work and just telling everybody like, "Hey, use best practices, i.e., washing your hands." Uh, and, you know, I've heard a, f- a few people kind of talking about uh, going to the store and wanting to buy hand sanitizer and unable to find any. Um, but mostly it's just people are aware of it. And I think people are honestly freaked out. So it's coming out as like jokes. So I've heard a lot of like coronavirus jokes anytime anybody like coughs. Um <laughs> But that's about it. We really haven't had to change our day-to-day lives. People are all still going to work. Um, Yeah, it just, it kind of feels like we're in our own little bubble while everybody else is freaking out about the virus. (laughs) Yeah. That wide all open land in Texas. (laughs) Yep. (laughs) Which is a very Texas way of doing it. Like, "Ah, we'll be fine. (laughs) (laughs) Um, I am from Seattle, as I mentioned, and uh, Seattle's been one of the worst hit areas in the U.S. Um, a, a large, decently large number of deaths compared to um, what I think was initially expected of the coronavirus when it was we were first beginning to talk about it. 
um, particularly because it's hit a nursing home center, which is just a recipe for disaster when you have a, a virus like this that is not understood fully yet and a lot of folks that are in their elder years. Um, Seattle is a lot quieter now, and uh, the, the roads and the highways are much more deserted. There are people still kind of going out and about, mostly to get groceries and maybe to go to a coffee shop because they can't stand being home for that long. But um, a lot of companies have told us all to work from home, and uh, so it's, it's the talk of the town right now about what to do, how to prepare, and it's been really fascinating actually to see different people's reactions and how their personalities show with how they respond to the illness. I have some friends that are like, if you get it, you get it. It's fate. You're just going to have to deal with it, but it shouldn't stop you from doing things and affecting your life. Then I have other friends on the spectrum, particularly my parents as well, that are a lot more cautious about it and um, wanting to decrease the probability of getting it. Uh, but amidst all of the conversation and everyone talking about coronavirus, this movie has been mentioned a couple times. I had a friend mention the film and she said that she started watching the first 15-20 minutes of it and was freaked out and couldn't continue to watch it. Um, it's been really fascinating to see how this movie has been resurrected. It's I looked up a, a quick Google search on it. It went from being kind of in the back library archives of oblivion to now being the 10th most watched movie on iTunes, which is so fascinating wow. to me. <laughs> yeah. And I bet on Amazon prime and, um, some of the other streaming channels, I'm sure it's being rented and watched a lot more now too. So, uh, that's been fascinating. Uh, my mother also watched this as well. And I think something that we can talk about at some point in this episode and this review is the way that people are, taking in this movie as a way to prepare or respond or to figure out how they are to respond or what to expect. Um, it's really fascinating. So we can dive into that, I think, a little bit later. But first, for the movie in and of itself, outside of its context, what were your initial thoughts of Contagion? My initial thoughts were, it's really not a very good movie. Uh... <laughs> I, I was also really shocked that it even got made um, because it's not, you know, it's, it's not glamorous. It's not, you know, a hero going in to save the day. It's not, it, it's a lot of science and um, watching people get sick and die. And it's, I, I, I didn't enjoy watching it. Mm-hmm. Um, yep. I, I was just mostly shocked that it exists and that it has such good reviews being a movie that I didn't think was, I mean, I didn't think the dialogue was good. The music was good. Some of the acting was terrible. Uh, <laughs> and so I was just, I was so perplexed why this is so well reviewed, but, um, I think that it, it really was, um, kind of like a glimpse into the future <laughs> and that that in and of itself is very interesting and just mm -hmm. the um, how how accurate their depiction of human behavior was on the screen was also very 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 well done um, even though I don't think that the movie itself was very good 
Yeah, I had similar reactions. I was ready to be on this roller coaster ride. I was expecting like a doomsday movie where this mm-hmm. thing is like wiping out the population. I don't know if you've seen the movie Life yet, but it's essentially this like alien um, species that infiltrates this spacecraft and then begins to just mutate and grow stronger and kill off the entire crew. And it's, it is simultaneously a terrible movie, but also so thrilling and so much fun. And I thought this movie was going to be similar. I expected a lot more drama, a lot more of the um, really heightened the world is going to end type of uh, thesis. And this movie was cool. Uh, it was a little bit boring. I have to. I have to say. Yeah. Um, we can pick apart this movie. I think from like a plot structure and the characters' perspective, because there's a lot of a lot of things that I don't think worked effectively to make this a f- engaging story to watch. Um, but I did find it interesting in researching this movie a little bit more that it has been well regarded by the scientific community. It has been praised for being incredibly accurate. And um, actually the screenwriter consulted with representatives of the World Health Organization as well as medical experts as part of her research in creating this movie. So maybe it was an expectation gap that I went in thinking this was going to be one movie and I got a different one and I was a little bit disappointed because the movie's not really intending to be that big Hollywood doomsday type of movie. Um, But even with it still being able to be um, dedicated to the scientific components of it, I think from a storytelling perspective and getting us as the viewers to care about any of the characters, I don't think it worked well. Yeah, I because it wasn't really about the characters it was more about this global virus and seeing how people react to it Mm -hmm. and which is just a very interesting way to to structure a movie Mm -hmm. you know we're we're taught to care about the characters and get um get emotionally attached to them so then we care about a cause or a macro thing and this did the opposite it it focused on the disease and the the globalization and the grand scale of it um kind of taking the people piece out of it yeah it like it wove together these individual storylines very much like those um super cheesy like valentine's day or mm-hmm. like christmas like romance movies where there's like 10 different characters and they're yeah. all somehow connected in interesting ways and you're right this movie was way more of a process movie than a character-driven movie but I think the problem is that it was hard to care about the process when there there wasn't a lot for me to latch on to I mean maybe the inherent stakes was meant to be engaging enough to see this virus spreading and taking this many lives and they would mention um death toll numbers and things like that but for for whatever reason it it felt a little flat for me yeah the only one that I really cared about was, uh, was Kate Winslet's character. Mm-hmm. Um, I think other than that, I didn't care about any of the characters or their plight. Um, 
but I was really intrigued when they were talking about like the exponential growth of it. Mm. Um, there was that one moment when Jude Law was kind of talking about how um, explaining like the the R naught thing and how it's an R naught of two, how it compounds itself, and like that got me. I was like, oh shit, what's the what's the R naught of coronavirus? Like mm-hmm. what in the world? Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, from from a character perspective, I didn't. I didn't really care about any of them. And so it was just kind of like, oh, another one died. Oh, another yeah. one did a thing. Oh, okay, here we go. Yeah, and the the film itself has a lot of pretty interesting things to say and a lot mm-hmm. of great commentary on human nature and the role of government that I think we should dive into. Um, but it seemed to be more concerned with making those points versus bringing us along for the ride. Um, and I, I just wonder that if there was a better way to weave these things together in a way that was more engaging, that they could have landed those other points a lot more effectively. Um, I kind of think about this from the lens of Parasite. Like there, Parasite had a ton of things to say about um, human nature and kind of the blinders that we have on but it was told through this lens that was engaging and thrilling and got us to care and it made its ultimate point a lot more effective because we were along for this this other journey right so I guess I just I I I think that there could have been other ways to do this that made it more powerful but I don't I don't think it discounts the, the interesting things that the film definitely wanted to communicate yeah, I think the the characters were more two-dimensional and I I think if they had taken a little bit extra time to make the characters more realistic and and maybe focused on on fewer of them, mm-hmm. um then we would have really been able to to sink our teeth into like one or two or three particular characters as they fight whatever this is and then we would have had that emotional connection but I do think that you're right that it it still communicates what it wanted to and especially given our current state uh it was it was it was ahead of its time Mm -hmm. and yeah uh yeah it's it has a lot to say for where we're currently at and I wonder how it will continue to ring true um, over the coming years and decades as we have to fight other pandemics. Yeah, I was um, seeing some of the comments on the, the YouTube video for the trailer for this, and there are so many comments around, oh my god, Contagion totally predicted the future. Oh my gosh, Contagion is basically a coronavirus, but from several years ago, and it knew it, knew it was going to happen. There's so many things that feel so so relevant and modern for the times right now but yeah it, it was like this was this felt like a a buffet experience where we got a taste of everything um versus going really knee deep on any of the specific issues too heavily so maybe we can start by unpacking some of the things that i think contagion wanted to say um one of them that i found very interesting um and a lot of conversations that i've had in real life have pointed to this same issue, problem, dilemma that uh, government officials and CDC and who and companies face, which is how and when to communicate and with what level of alarm 
to communicate the seriousness of the issue. Um, my mom made a great comment because I was asking her her thoughts about the movie. Um, she mentioned that the movie really opened her eyes to the difficult task that, for example, the CDC or the government has in in how to handle the situation and what to communicate. Um, so she said that it was really, it was the movie was really valuable at getting to give her a, a new perspective because she had started and focused more initially on wanting the full transparency and wanting the communication out to everyone around how serious it is so that it could stop the spreading. But um, there's this really delicate balance between really communicating the full extent of the issue and the danger and then also trying to protect populations from the panic that may ensue from it and the 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 freaking out and desperation and things that you see in the film so I thought the film did a great job of giving us a taste into the difficult task that they face during that one scene where um Lawrence Fishburne is kind of talking about that and and how I think it was in that interview and Jude Law was kind of like pressing him on hey how many people have the virus and he wasn't able to give them a number and he was talking about how there are all of these different um, health departments and all of these states with different protocols and like all of this stuff and yeah that really made me empathize with them and Mm -hmm. go oh my gosh like this is like structurally, this is a whole hot mess. Mm -hmm. So to try and contain something, to try and communicate something, to get everybody on the same page with the same messaging, it's next to impossible. Mm -hmm. And so that really, it really made me empathize with them and just wonder, okay, that sucks. How do we fix that in the future? But that's a whole nother conversation for another day. Um, But I think the film did a really good job of showing what happens when people really do start to panic. Mm -hmm. And it seems like a, it's almost like a a switch flips. Like you're fine. It's fine. We're going to be okay. Tra la 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 la. And then like all of a sudden a switch flips and then everybody's in panic mode. And I feel like this film showed that and, Mm -hmm. and how, how we make really, really bad decisions when we are in that panic mode and how we hurt people when we're, when we're controlled by fear and all of, all of that panic that ensues when we think that, um, that we might die. Mm -hmm. Yeah. We, we as human beings inherently kind of go into survival mode and animal mode because Mm -hmm. when there's a scarcity of resources, we feel the need to want to protect and survive ourselves. But um, honestly, even greater than that is our family and the people that are kind of in our tribe. Right. Um, and yeah, the film does a really great job of doing that. I think it paints a, a, uh, more dismal view of human nature, um, mm-hmm. which is kind of interesting. Yep. It's, it's not a, it's not a very optimistic view about the way that we can sacrifice for others or the, our willingness to do that. I, I, I think we get glimpses of that when you see um, Kate Winslet's character going out to the field and um, wanting to serve and wanting to, to go out and find the cure and um, be there, even though she's putting herself at danger. But on the whole, we get a lot of shots of people just being super aggressive and 
in full-on desperation mode. Yeah, and you see, um, like, the Matt Damon character was interesting to me um, Mm -hmm. because he went to such lengths to try and protect his daughter. Like, to me, like, he was such a human character, Mm -hmm. and that, that potential overreaction was completely justified given that he just lost his wife and his son. Mm-hmm. And so I think that really showed the lengths that people will go to, to try and protect their own. Um, but yeah, you just saw, saw a lot of the worst of yeah, human beings yeah. in this. <laughs> yeah. It's not a happy view of, of, what we are inherently wired to do but I mean from an evolutionary perspective it makes sense like we are we are inherently looking to survive um and when that when that gear kicks in um there's a lot that we may not do rationally and honestly as there's instance of the instances of small obviously at a much smaller scale but there are instances of that survival mode even in today's coronavirus outbreak um at a very very small level people are going to the grocery stores and hoarding toilet paper and costco (laughs) is being like ravaged by lines and hordes of people um stocking up on hand sanitizer uh at my local grocery store all of the like hand soap hand sanitizer toilet paper it's like completely gone (laughs) Um, the frozen veggie frozen fruit aisles are also almost completely gone Um, there was that instance that I saw in Hong Kong I believe where there was there was there's people like breaking into stores to steal uh, face masks and toilet paper so it's, it's it's not too far off obviously this is a dramatization of that and um the deadliness of the virus is a lot, a lot greater than the coronavirus is, but there's a lot of things that it does get right. And it's interesting kind of living through it while, so like you're watching it on the screen and it's compressed into a what two hour movie. Mm-hmm. And, but when you're actually like living it over the course of months, like it's just, it's interesting to contrast the two. Mm-hmm. And seeing how, like, you, the response of people in Seattle is very different than the response of people in Dallas. So I am at an earlier stage in the movie than you are in mm-hmm. your experience. So mm-hmm. it was just, it was so interesting to watch it and kind of almost like, as the movie was going, plot where different cities are in their own response to the mm-hmm. coronavirus yeah. with where they were in the movie. It, yeah. We're all at different different spots and and responding to this in such different ways. That's so true. I'm imagining like a, a linear graph, which is the mm-hmm. timestamps of the film, and yep. <laughs> different cities are in different different sides of the spectrum. Um, yeah, that's funny. And I'm also curious if this film has played any role, even if it's a small role in the way that people are beginning to hoard supplies and wanting to stock up. Maybe, um, maybe this film kind of stoked that a little bit more than if this film didn't exist. I don't know. I'm I'm seeing what could be possible when there aren't enough supplies does kind of make you as a viewer feel like I want to avoid having to be in that situation of shortage. So 
let me go to my local Costco and buy all the things. I, I don't know. Um, maybe it's existing fears that are then uh, escalated with this movie after watching this movie. I don't know. It's, it's fascinating to think about, though. We, don't, we won't really have the data for it. Yeah, I wonder if it has to do with with the news um, mm. because so I listen to a few different like news podcasts and um, I've heard multiple times the the people when when trying to um, calm listeners down have likened this to how you would respond to like a snowstorm or a hurricane. And in those cases, you would stock up on everything. You would stock up on toilet paper and frozen goods and all of that because you don't know when you're going to be able to leave your house again. Mm -hmm. And so contrast that with the messaging currently from CDC, which is just increase your your hand washing and mm-hmm. your like self-care <laughs> methods make sure that you are a clean person don't touch your face which is really hard um and then if you're sick stay inside mm-hmm. so i think i wonder if the news is compounding that and people are like oh i'm going to be stuck inside so i need all the toilet paper in the world <laughs> when really you know, as long as you're not sick and you're taking the proper precautions and you're a generally healthy person, you should be okay, at least yeah. for now. Yeah. So it, I just, I wonder how much the news is playing into it instead of other forms of media. Yeah, the news and uh, by extension of that, like social media playing a yeah. huge role into this. I mean, I saw so many Instagram stories of people being at the grocery store and like taking videos of the toilet paper aisle or the hand sanitizer aisle. And, um, inherently I think it's a snowballing effect. Like the more you see people going out to buying, to buy these items and the, the perception of a shortage makes you also feel like for whatever reason, I need to also make sure that I'm stocked up on that too. Cause it might not be there anymore. Um, I had a, coworker comment like people are buying like big jugs of bottled water it's not like the virus is going to be transmitted through our water and all of our water is going to be shut (laughs) off like it's no longer logical anymore you just want it because you feel like it may not be there for you in a week or two weeks or three days um so social media is a huge i think contributing factor to a lot of the fears a lot of the anxiety um an interesting role that I think social media is beginning to play, at least in the current outbreak, is that there's a potential greater level of distrust that people have of governments and the CDC because there's so many people posting their own stories around how um, doctors have told them that they probably have the coronavirus, but they can't get tested. And it's all because the CDC's regulations are so strict and there aren't enough testing kits. And so if we didn't have social media in our only form of information on this was through maybe the nightly radio or the nightly news we wouldn't be able to see potentially that gap between um what is being communicated to us through the official channels versus what's being spread word of mouth and it's a very modern problem that we have that's so specific to our times um and i think contagion this movie hints at it quite heavily with jude law's character yeah, I was pretty uh, impressed that 
they took the time to include that character mm-hmm. yeah. um, who was spreading disinformation and um, was a complete conspiracy theorist. <laughs> and I think, you know, now we have that amplified by so much more than we can probably state. So, mm-hmm. yeah, I, man, it's, it's a whole different ball game now with, with social media and, um, how everybody seemingly has a voice. Uh, we we sometimes amplify the wrong messages and suppress the right ones, and mm-hmm. that can just make everything worse in a case like this. Yeah, and especially when it comes to the level of trust that you have. Um, I think one of the reasons why like influencer marketing right now through Instagrammers and YouTubers is so effective is because you feel like you know them and there's something that's more personal about your relationship with them versus your local news anchor or the the -hmm. newspapers or the CDC, right? There's a personal connection and that carries a lot of like um, weight in the level of trust that you inherently have. Like I think in, in the movie Jude Law's character had like what 16 million followers or some ridiculous amount. Um, and he spoke with such conviction and such mm-hmm. fire that honestly, when he was on the on the the news and was speaking out, you you kind of wonder like, is there some truth to that? Like, and part of what he's saying is accurate around um, Lawrence Fishburne's character calling his wife or his girlfriend um, to make sure that she could escape first. Like, the, it's a half truth, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, so he's not totally wrong, which makes it even more difficult to discern what is true, what is not true, and what are the motivations behind them. Um, it's, it's fascinating. Yeah. Yeah. Just how, how murky the truth can be. Um, Mm -hmm. and if people will take, you know, the extra time to, to really research and see, okay, is what I'm seeing correct or, or factual? Um, but how do you even determine that these days? You know, we're getting so many mixed messages from, so many different sources it's hard to tell exactly what to follow sometimes Mm -hmm. yeah yeah completely the other part of jude law's character that i thought was really really interesting to include and also again eerily accurate for the current coronavirus outbreak is his economic entrepreneurship you could call it yes (laughs) (laughs) i simultaneously am like you know what jude law like you're kind of cunning for for figuring that out and trying to tap into this. But also that's so terrible and morally disgusting to try and um, capitalize on people's fears and their desire to live. Like it's, there's so many um, articles that I'm reading today around uh, makers of the face masks and hand sanitizer prices going up insane amounts because there's this desperation for it. Um, So there's lots of, people and companies that are trying to economically get a leg up amidst a time like this. And just the fact that he, he was speaking out against companies doing that. And then he was doing the exact same thing (laughs) was just, Oh my gosh. It was, it was so good. I was like, yep, that's exactly what happens. (laughs) Yes. Yes. (laughs) But I do appreciate that he, he got into some trouble uh, you know, he didn't get off completely scot-free for, um, 
put through his words, uh, potentially leading people to die, like mm-hmm. I, and, and potentially profiting off of those deaths. Mm-hmm. So I, I appreciate that there was a little bit of a consequence there for him and that they, they chose to include that in the movie. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Very true. And I think it, the, the, maybe the role that this movie plays in our current time is that it just at least plants all of these little seeds for you to think about things from a different angle. Um, it may make us be a little bit more wary of trusting some of the less, all of the new, all of the sources of news that we're getting because of the potentially conflicting motivations that they have. And we may think of Jude Law. Um, it might make us feel a little bit more empathetic towards CDC and government officials that are trying to figure out what the best course of action is and how to communicate that out because we were able to kind of see this event unfolding through Lawrence Fishburne's character. Um, it plants little seeds of caution, little seeds of empathy throughout, which I think is is useful. It's quite useful. Can we also just talk about really quickly how weird of a role this was for Jude Law? Like a completely unlikable character who was just like he he's normally this like heartthrob good guy and so to see him <laughs> playing this like I don't know this sleazy blogger yeah. <laughs> who is just out to you know he's just propagating fear basically it was just it was such a weird choice for him and his accent was real bad at times and <laughs> It, he was just a whole mess. Yeah, yeah. It reminds me of when we were talking about the the genius casting choice for him mm-hmm. in, I believe it was Captain Marvel. Captain Marvel, yeah. Yep, yep. But it's funny to note that both of these quote-unquote villainous characters that he plays are the deceptively evil ones um, mm-hmm. because he's got that charm and that um, charisma that you want to trust him, but you you can't. But you want to because it's there. The charisma's there. Yeah, I I just every time he showed up on screen, I was like, Jude Law, why was this your choice? <laughs> hmm. I was just trying to figure out like, why did you pick this movie? Yeah. Yeah. I loved his addition. I loved his whole storyline. It was such a great addition. Oh yeah. I just don't it was, know. Yeah. It was a fascinating character. It was just but a weird him? choice for him. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Um, other interesting choices that this film does is the use of color. Mm-hmm. I thought that was, I took note of that. I think the first couple of minutes, 10 minutes in, lots of yellows, lots of blues yep. and greens that look, uh, unappealing. Um, in a weird way, I think it, it, it's, it fits, but. It felt a little on the nose, too. Like, I know it's supposed to look kind of, like, ghastly and sickly, but I don't know. It, it felt a little cheap to me in a in a way that I, I didn't love. But I could see what they were trying to intend and what they were trying to do. So I'm curious how the color choices um, landed with you. I think that they contributed to my just general dislike of the film. Um, (laughs) But like you, I, 
I saw what they were trying to do. And I think, I mean, because color is so important to how, um, how you feel about something and it can like really influence you. I think, I think it was a, a good choice to make. I just don't know that the execution quite landed. Mm. Yeah. Maybe there, if there was more intentionality around it, it mm-hmm. could have worked more effectively. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, I think so. Yeah. It's but tricky also, because... Go ahead. I also just wonder how other films of that time were using color. Mm-hmm. And if it was... That's a great point. If it was more in line with those movies than maybe the ones that we're seeing today. Yeah, it's tricky because I, I was thinking a lot about Blade Runner 2049 and mm. John Wick and how... Yeah much color is so effective in creating a mood but at the same time those two movies are incredibly heightened drama they're incredibly not realistic and so I don't know if I don't think that same thing would have worked but the the level of thought and intentionality I think I didn't understand with their color choices um there didn't seem to be a pattern or a specific usage for certain moments Mm -hmm. or, you know, so I think that's what didn't land for me, but the general mood and tone, I think general generally fit the movie. Yeah. Yeah. It, it kind of, which is impressive, but they, they were able to kind of make it like just sickly and kind of almost like grungy Mm -hmm. the whole time. Um, which I think was just a subtle, a subtle way in a not so subtle movie <laughs> to make us maybe feel a little bit of what the characters might have been feeling. Mm-hmm. Yeah, really icky, and mm-hmm. I think a lot of the scenes with Matt Damon were a lot of just like really washed out blues and purple tones, and you just it didn't no warm and fuzzies there. <laughs> No, definitely not. Mm-mm. So a, a component of the film that I wrestled back and forth in my mind with for a while that I would love to hear your thoughts on is the fact that the the film in this hypothetical universe has the outbreak starting from and the source being from China. And... It's tricky because I simultaneously recognize the fact that coronavirus has started from China. Um, SARS, I believe, was also started in China. Um, But there's a lot of other pandemics that started in other continents and other countries. And I don't think it was – there was anything wrong with them choosing to set this hypothetical universe and this hypothetical pandemic as starting from China. But I did wonder how much that does or doesn't contribute to some of the interpretations around um, the responsibility of a pandemic like this, especially given that there's been multiple instances of racist comments and um, assaults done towards people of Asian um, ethnicity in there's several that happened in London. There's been ones that happened here and throughout. So it's, I don't think the film did anything wrong, but I do wonder the role that it plays in it 
contributing to this narrative around um, pandemics and the responsibility that Asia has for these global pandemics. So I'm curious your thoughts on it because I recognize that I could be hypersensitive to to it. I was wondering the same thing while watching it. Just when I when I saw that it originated in China, I I was wondering about that specific choice. And I was I was curious because like okay, were they just working off of what we've experienced before with SARS mm-hmm. and I think H1N1 also started mm-hmm. in China if I'm not mistaken um so like were they just working off of what's already happened were they you know trying to say something i don't know politically or globally i don't think Mm -hmm. so and so i i too was trying to process through like what does that mean that this also originated in china but then i was wondering even like more globally like okay the the last few you know, more worldwide epidemics have started in Asia or have started Mm -hmm. in China. And so what does that mean? Like how, how does that affect us globally? If these things are starting there, what can we do as a global community to maybe prevent that from happening in the future? Because I mean, nowadays we're so interconnected mm-hmm. that if a sickness starts to spread into one country, it's only a matter of time before it reaches the entire globe. So I just, I wonder if there's a way that we can channel maybe that fear and that concern to, to help each other in different countries instead of, you know, lashing out and hurting other people. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. I completely agree. And it's, it. I think in reading about the background of this film, I believe it was inspired a lot by the SARS epidemic, which happened, I think, only a couple of years before this film came out, maybe two, nine years beforehand. I think SARS was 2002. This one was 2011. Yeah, so about nine years beforehand. So it, it does make sense because it is top of mind for people. It is kind of the the most recent one that a lot of people may have heard about, read through, lived through. Um it's just one more contributor to a potential narrative that not not everyone is adopting, but for the ones that are, it's it's not necessarily productive. But um, yeah, you're right. And I don't think the film did anything wrong in portraying it that way. I just it was a question that was raised in my mind when I saw that this was the 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 source from the the exposition of the movie. And I did wonder, because we had the Ebola outbreak in, what was it, like 2014, mm-hmm. um, I wondered if there have been any other contagion-like films mm. that have been created since then that have focused on the Ebola outra- outbreak and focused on maybe something coming from Africa instead of China and how that would play, mm-hmm. um, because we have, I feel like we have a lot of source material of diseases starting in China, what other material do we have of these pandemics starting in, in other countries? Because it really could start from anywhere at this point in time. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. And the the fact that the end- ending of the film is 
trying to figure out and trace back to the source and why that is the choice that they made for the ending. I don't, I mean, I don't think it's good or nor bad, but, um, it was a intentional choice to include that final shot being the handshake and it coming from that market and things like that, which honestly it's, it's not wrong because the coronavirus was a similar situation, Mm -hmm. but it's emphasizing a component of this story and this problem that we're all dealing with. Um, and I don't know if that contributes at all to the, the potentially negative narrative that is coming out of the coronavirus today. I really appreciated that they did show you how it started because the whole time I was wondering like, <laughs> how, how did this start? Mm-hmm. But I love that it was, it was an American woman in China that started the spread. I loved the, that they focused on that instead of, because they were going back and forth for a while of, okay, was it was it this guy? Was it Gwyneth Paltrow's character? Was it this girl? Like, mm-hmm. where did it start from? And so I appreciated that it was a white American woman in China that she started this, basically. It here. Yeah. So I think, I think had it been in an Asian character that started the spread, then that would just, you know, heighten, you know, the fears even more. But I think that the coronavirus has just shown that if people are fearful and if they, if they're going to, if they have like a racist tendency, they are going to follow that no matter what, what, like, even if this movie had the the virus originating in the United States with it's all white people's fault. Like they, if you're, if you're more inclined to blame somebody else because they're different than you, you're just going to regardless. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You'll figure out support for your beliefs. Yeah. Whether yeah. they're it's right just, or wrong. Yeah. Yeah. It's just really unfortunate that we're seeing that hate and that anger and that fear coming out during this time when we're all in this together and we're all susceptible to this outbreak. And it's, it's nobody's, it's no one person's fault. It's no one race's fault. Like Mm -hmm. we need to actually work together and do what we can to protect ourselves. And in doing Mm -hmm. so can then help protect our entire community. Yeah. Yeah. Agreed. Um, I think some, there's some sort of, I think justice or explanation that people look for, uh, yeah, but it's it's counterproductive most of the time. Yeah, except in the cases where you're genuinely trying to find the source so you can avoid it for the future. In which case, yes, exactly. That's fine. that would be great. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Okay. Anything else that we haven't mentioned yet um, that we wanted to talk about? I think one thing that I wanted to mention that. Um, I probably should have included at the start of the f- this review is that we are reviewing and talking about this film because it's it's interesting to see how it is so accurate to real life and also heightened from real life but I think at the end of the day like so this is a lot of people's family members and um loved ones that are affected by this so by no means are we wanting to make light of the situation at all um but it's just it's it's a, a a good conversation to have around the way that films influence how we 
view and see real life events that we have lived through a two hour movie and what does that tell us about how we react and what we think about and how we empathize or don't. So I think I should have mentioned that earlier on is that this is very real and this is very um, probably close to home for a lot of people. So we're not making light of it in any way. And I appreciate that Contagion also did that. Mm-hmm. You know, it, it would have been really easy to make it um, over-dramatized, which would have probably made the movie more interesting. Um, yeah. But I feel like they really did try and respect those people who have lived through a pandemic and who have lost loved ones. Um, I thought that Matt Damon's uh, reaction after Gwyneth Paltrow died was mm-hmm. was so incredibly human of, you know, the doctor gives the news and he's like, oh, okay, can I talk to my wife? Like the idea that he just lost a loved one was, it was so far off of his radar of what could happen mm-hmm. that he couldn't process that information in real time. Yeah, And then just watching him mourn his wife, mourn his son, he's not able to give them a proper burial, like all of these moments. And then he has to care for his teenage daughter, who's also just trying to have a life. Like there was a lot that he was juggling and just that humanness of that character, um, I think did a lot to to really honor the people who have gone through hell in, mm-hmm. in cases like this. Yeah. Both the, and all different types of people that are affected by this, both yeah. the, the individual trying to figure out how to handle the situation and also the people that are in positions of um, authority and figuring out how to lead our national or state level or local response to it. It's, it's hard and there's no right or wrong solution. And and we might not even know all of the facts in the full picture. Um, I know the CDC right now is getting a lot of backlash for their kind of slower response and handing out the test kits and sending them out and the strict regulations that they had, but there's probably no one person that's responsible for it. It's either systemic problems or there's valid reasons for it that we may just may not have the visibility into as the one individual trying to figure out how to respond to this so um we're all trying our best i think this movie is trying to say we're all trying our damn best to figure out what to do yeah it's it really is kind of unknown territory and i think that this film while maybe it was problematic the way they went about it, I appreciated that they tried to show that global scale of we're all trying to work on this together, different different countries trying to come together to figure out what this is, to stop the spread, to find a cure, to distribute the cure, mm-hmm. um, and just showing we're just trying the best that we can with what we have, mm-hmm. and hopefully it's enough. Yeah, and as you mentioned, it truly is an international uh, effort and requires a uniting of countries with political challenges and struggles in their past history and present time, um, trying to figure out how to tackle it together. Um, The sharing of data and information is, I think, been a really powerful way that we are maybe better equipped now to tackle something like this than we were 
um, decades ago when we didn't have that kind of open ability to share findings and scientific research as quickly as we can now. So um, it's it's a problem that we inherently will have not had practice or preparation for. And what I'm interested to see is, you know, like what comes next after the coronavirus? Because it seems to be every like five to six years, there's an outbreak of some sort mm. somewhere in the country. Um, and so, okay, so this is our moment for coronavirus, which at least for the U.S., we were grossly unprepared for. Mm. And so just seeing, okay, in the next, like, we have to get through this, obviously, but then what are we going to do to prepare for the future? And that was what I was wondering in this film. Like, what did the characters learn from this? And how did they build going forward? Because, I mean, it's it's going to happen again. And mm-hmm. so we might not know what to do right now. But how can we change our behaviors? How can we change the systems? How can we change the protocols? Like, whatever we have to do, how can we improve this for the next time that this happens? I love that. That's where your brain goes. Of like, okay, it's progress where my brain now, goes. please. <laughs> Let's try and avoid this uh, situation if possible. And if we yeah. can't, then how do we be best prepared? Yeah, exactly. Because I mean, we're just going to get more global because we're we're more oh, interconnected yeah. now than we were, you know, nine years ago when this film came out. And we're going to be even more interconnected in nine years. Mm-hmm. So what can we do? Because I mean, the spread is just going to get quicker for these things mm-hmm. as we get as we get more interconnected. So I don't know, we got to be ready. Mm-hmm. Yep. Yep. Well, I'm also curious how um, companies will prepare for it as yeah. well. Um, I know that Twitter and Facebook have been mentioning that they're trying to screen for misinformation being spread about coronavirus specifically. I think in general, those companies are trying to tackle that, but specifically at a time such as this, how to try and build those agor- algorithms in real time right now um, is an f- interesting problem that they're looking to tackle. And I the other thought that I had as you were talking was around what films we might get and stories we might get in the next five, 10 mm-hmm. years that are inspired or building off of or based on the current events, which is kind of a strange thought because we're still in the thick of it. But I'm sure there will be stories that take from a lot of the things that happened um, in the current outbreak. And these days, you know, movies based on true events are oh, happening yes, the hot like, thing <laughs> well and they're happening quicker and quicker mm-hmm. like last year bombshell came out that was about something that happened in what like 2017 mm-hmm. and so we're the the stretch of time between when an event happens and the movie about the event comes out is getting shorter mm-hmm. yeah so I wonder, I mean, there are probably people right now that are pitching coronavirus movies to studios. <laughs> oh my God. Because, I mean, think about it. That's You can capitalize on it because yeah. people are currently living through it and are terrified by it. Mm-hmm. So yeah, let's capitalize on that fear. Let's make some money. I, it's just, it <laughs> makes sense. Let's channel boss character. <laughs> Gosh, <laughs> exactly. Yeah. I mean, it's awful, but it's it's true. So I wonder... You know, in a year from now, are we going to have a coronavirus movie? Oh, God. 
Well, if there is one, you best believe, Sarah, and we'll review it. We will We're be there. We're going to review it. <laughs> yeah. And we'll do a throwback to this episode. Uh-huh. Yep. For sure. Put them in conversation with each other. It'll be fascinating. Yeah. In the meantime, we will wash our hands for 20 Indeed. seconds. The length we of will. happy birthday, which I learned. Yep. And uh, try really it. hard not to touch my face. Mm-hmm. It's yep. really hard. Oh, Yeah. My, um, I was shown a video the other day of public health officials and CDC members talking about how you shouldn't touch your face and then yes. it would like ding every time that they would do it in the midst of their yeah. talk. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. When, uh, Kate Winslet's character was talking in the movie and she said that we touch our face two to 3000 times a day, I, I became so self-conscious. I was <laughs> like, okay, I'm just... I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to put my hands down and they're going to be nowhere near my face for at least a minute just to prove you're on Kate Winslet. And then you realize that apparently your nose just gets incredibly itchy in that it moment. Does. Your eyebrow oh, just needs to be yep. scratched. Every part of your face needs to be touched <laughs> all of a sudden. Yes. <laughs> yeah. And I did uh, clean my entire apartment after watching the movie. So <laughs> it did that too. I was I like, have to okay, say, gotta kill all the germs. <laughs> from a like cinematography perspective, which is not something that I thought that we would talk about on this review, but alas, the close-ups of people touching surfaces mm-hmm. was very effective. I think that yes. worked well. Yep. Yeah, that was, that was very effective. That made me just basically want to wear gloves all the time just so that I don't touch any other surface that another human has, has touched because I don't know where they've been and I don't know how good their hand washing practices are. <laughs> Silver lining from this whole situation is that we all learn how to wash our hands the right way. Yes, exactly. As if we shouldn't have known that beforehand, but alas. <laughs> No longer will it be just employees must wash hands before leaving. It's now everyone. Yes, everyone wash your hands for the full 20 seconds with mm-hmm. hot water and lots of soap before mm-hmm. leaving the bathroom. Yep. Like those those little signs in the bathrooms are going to get so large with yes. all of that information. Yes. <laughs> all right. Well, this was our review of Contagion. It's a film that has a lot to say, a lot of really interesting things to say, lots of seeds of empathy, warning, um, caution. It's, it's quite relevant for the time, the current time, for such a time as this. So um, we recommend seeing it and um, seeing what conversations or thoughts or um, perspectives that it might give you. And at the end of the day, um, we hope that everyone is staying safe. We know that it's a it's a stressful time for, for a lot of people right now. Uh, just staring into the face of unknown is never a comfortable thing for us as human beings. So um, we hope that everyone's staying safe and healthy and uh, perhaps the slowing down of businesses and um, the need to stay indoors is potentially a, a restful time for you as well. So we will be back next week with a review of the South Korean film, The Flu. Again, continuing on our journey of seeing the films that are um, eerily relevant to the current times and the conversations that those, those beget. So we will see you next week on the Strategic Whimsy Experiment.